Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, ghouls and goblins, and welcome to the last episode in our spooky season this year. You know, we normally talk about women that we're like, you should you should know them, you should idolize them, you know. But this is almost my favorite time of year because we get to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, which is true crime, generally. Not always, but so we, we are going to talk about badass women that are bad, that you shouldn't idolize. And I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. Yeah, we're going to talk about some bitches who are bad in a like... In, in, a, ba- the, in a bad in way. Not, <laughs> not the cool way. Like, Kelly and I are bad bitches. These are bad bitches. No, bad. thank you. Please bad. <laughs> not like that either. At least mine aren't. You did talk about dear women last year. I did. That, and that wasn't even for spooky season. I literally could not wait. No, I think... But like, I think someone I touched on the Yara. spooky season, like, like tips you off to dear women and then you're like... We're covering deer women. Yeah, yeah, because you you covered the Yara last year, which is like an Amazon River uh, mermaid siren type figure. She's amazing. And you were like, also, North America has the deer woman. I'm like, excuse me, the what? (laughs) And that is probably one of my favorite stories I've covered. And I'm still like, the deer woman, like, I love her. They're in the woods somewhere. Yeah, no. Knowing the deer woman is out there actually makes me feel much better and much safer. I always really like the Yara, too, because, like, they didn't attack women. It was just, like, basically cheating, philandering men. Yeah, yeah. And basically, if they came across a woman, it was just like, what up? Yep. See, like, yep, you're my type of, like, mythical creature. And what I like about the deer woman, too, is she preyed on, like, fuck boys and creeps and rapists. Like, like. If the if you're on the dear woman's list, you fuck. fuck, You're a piece of shit. You're (laughs) fine. Yeah, you're a piece of shit, and uh, you deserve everything the dear woman's gonna give you. Right. So yeah, check those feet, boys, or don't. (laughs) Because you don't need to be around. Yep. I'm I'm super excited. I love I love spooky season. I love covering these women on the darker side of history. And it's fall. And it's fall. It just it gets me in the mood. It might not be fall for everyone. Technically, it's I think spring for some people, but. It's fall here, and fall is my, is you know my favorite season. It's fall in your hearts. <laughs> Break out the pumpkin spice regardless of where you are right yes. now. No, so, no, someone please. is on a beach Gross. in their bikini drinking a, sp- a pumpkin spice latte. Spunkin' Pice. <laughs> that sounds... Spunkin' Pice. Spumpkin Pice. Spumpkin just sounds yeah. real bad. It sounds really inappropriate, but yeah, someone's on a beach... Sipping on their pumpkin spice latte, listening to us being like, it's fall here, ladies. (laughs) Happy fall, y'all. So as our bottle says, drink up, witches. Yes. Drink up, witches. But Emily has a shout out before we get into our I do. So I do have a say their name and I'm going to kind of deviate. I'm not actually going to use their name. I'm going (gasps) to call them Dr. Liz because this is my doctor and I'm not going to tell everyone who my doctor is. Everyone take notes. (laughs) Everyone take notes. Um, Geo-coronate, like, who I am, who my doctor is, you know, tap into my medical records. It's pretty fucking boring. But I had, like, a, uh, a like, traditional checkup, which I haven't had in a really long time. And the only reason I had it is because literally the clinic reached out to me and they're like, we're scheduling your checkup. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's bad. (laughs) Oh, you're just, you're just doing this. Okay. That's fine. But I got to see my primary care provider and she's been my primary since I moved to Minnesota. I love her. She's amazing. 
and we were kind of going through typical questions and, you know, reproductive organs come up when you have reproductive reproductive organs organs of any kind. And she asked me, she's like, do do you want to have kids? I was like, no, no, I I still don't want to have kids. I like super am not into it. And immediately she starts asking like, well, you know, are you interested in exploring more permanent contraception? Wow. And she started walking me through my options for like, like from getting your tubes tied to like other. We are, because I think 30 is really that age where they're like, okay, you haven't had kids yet if you're not going to have kids. Right, right. But I I told her, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm really impressed that you're having such an open conversation about this with me because you hear all these horror stories of people really trying to take control of their contraception or not getting And doctors are like, no, why? Why? Why Why would you not want to have children? Because I am 30, but I'm not married. I don't have children. Like, and immediately she's like, oh, hey, here are your options. Do you want to consult? Like immediately went into it. That's awesome. And I just, I thought that was so wonderful. And like throughout the whole appointment, she was just absolutely wonderful. And it was one of those things where I was, I was painfully aware that not everyone has that experience and not everyone has a doctor who's like, oh, hey, if having kids isn't for you, let's talk about how we can make sure you don't have kids, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And I was just, I was so blown away. And I just want to give her a shout out because I'm like, this is what the kind of experience everyone should have. People, you know, no, no one should be trying to talk you into or out of. And it wasn't even she was trying to talk me into anything. She's like, oh, you don't want to have kids after all this time? Well, do you want to explore other options? Right. And she had all the information right there for me. And it was just like really frank and open discussion. And it was it was fantastic. So cheers, Dr. Liz. For Go being Dr. a Liz. fantastic doctor, like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was really happy. I was really happy about that. And again, like, everyone deserves to have medical care that is open and honest, and also meets your needs, not the perceptions of your provider. So, right. or whatever the world is currently doc- saying. Dr. Liz has set the bar. And if your doctor is not meeting those standards, find someone else. Go by the Dr. Liz standard. I like that. <laughs> the Dr. Liz standard of excellence. But yeah, so th- that that's my say their name. Because again, I'm, I'm in this appointment. I'm like, no, other people do not get to have this conversation. Other people do not have doctors who will have this conversation with no. them. It's and it's bullshit. Yeah, it absolutely is. So yeah, that's my say their name. Oh well, good on you, Doctor yeah. Liz. Cheers, Doctor Liz. Cheers, Doctor. Speaking of cheers, we are drinking a particularly so, fantastic wine I today. I can't remember if I saw this in the liquor store as I was walking by, or if my husband was like Kelly. But it's great. It fits spooky season. It perfectly. was one of those things where it was just suddenly in your basket. Yeah. Like that pug mug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so this one is literally just called Witch's Brew. That's it. That's all it says. Like, And that's all you need to know. Okay. It's by Leelanau Cellar. So I think it's a Hawaiian wine. No, Michigan. <laughs> that's, de- that's really depressing, honestly. <laughs> Did you want it to be? I wanted it to be because just because that like the way it's spelled, it makes me think of the Hawaiian Islands. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's called Witch's Brew. It is red wine with spices added. And yeah, like it has a witch with like a real scruffy looking cat. And they're like stirring a pot. And on the top it says, drink up witches. 
which is great. And the wrapper around the neck of the bottle has a bunch of little witch hats. So on the back it says, a layered and aromatic celebration of traditional mulling spices. This distinctive red blend can be enjoyed warm or devilishly hot. Prepare in a microwave crockpot or stovetop to warm the coldest and darkest nights of the year. It actually sounds delicious. It has a QR code on it. I don't know what it is. I'm going to look it up um, as we talk. Um, this is a 12.5% though. So oh, it is, shit. It is pretty like uh, up there. But yeah, so that's what it is by Leelanau Wine Cellars from Michigan. I will say Michigan's got some spooky shit going on. So this is appropriate. I always view at Michigan with a similar air of the New England states when it comes to spooky stuff. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of darkness. You mean Detroit? No, no, just like all of Michigan. Like I know, t- no, tyranny. I was, you said a yeah. lot of darkness when I said Detroit. <laughs> oh, man, coming on Detroit hard. <laughs> so it says, Leelanau Cellars established the Halloween retail wine holiday with Witches Brew in 1997, creating a niche category where one never existed and is uniquely positioned as a spiced wine brand. Oh, my God, they have other ones, too, that I need to find. They have one that is Witch's Brew Spiced Apple. Oh, my God. Pumpkin Spice. Naturally. And, and then this one. Um, so it says, drink up, witches. Recommended glassware. Your, your brew, your vessel, you decide how to get it to your face hole. <laughs> Legit. And it says, coffee mine, wine glass, boot, stein, literally, Boot, because you can drink yep. beer out of a boot. Stein, snifter, goblet, hollow out, ho- hollowed out skull, carved pumpkin. You know what I love about that? That's very feminist because it's like, hey, it's all up to you. It's your choice. No judgment. It's up to you how you're going to drink this, in what, and how you get it to your face hole. I know, like, spooky season's almost over, but I'm, I want to find where I can find the, the spiced apple variety of this wine, because I haven't even tasted this wine yet, but that sounds delicious. It, no, that sounds amazing. They also have a scale on the back, which I really like, that shows you between, like, sweet and dry where this wine sits, and even though it's a red, it's sitting at a four, which is, five is, like, max sweetness on the scale. Okay. So, it's sitting at a four. Nice. So, Cheers to spooky season and Dr. Liz. And spooky bitches everywhere. Drink up, witches. Drink up! I you can like, marry this wine. Before I even took a sip, yeah. I could smell like this. You know the what spice. it smells like? I, honestly, after we're done, if there's any left later tonight, um, this is this is exactly like, this is mulled wine. Like when you think of old traditional out of a crock pot mold wine, mm-hmm. this is it. Now I really want to drink it warm. Where where did you buy this? Up in the cities. Oh, damn it. I know. I was going to check if they have it anywhere down here. I want to find it online because this is really good. And you know what it smells like? If you go to Michael's or Hobby Lobby or any big craft store and oh, you get to the, the section potpourri. with- Yeah, with the potpourri and the fake flowers and plants, especially in fall, that's what it smells like. Those like rich spices. Oh my God. I want the smell of this wine in an air freshener for my house. Or candle or really just anything. Any of like those. Oh my God. This Mm, is amazing. And this is a very, I don't know. This is a very different wine than we usually get the opportunity to drink. This is fantastic. I'm really. had it at Target. It is now out of stock. God damn it, Target. God damn it. You know what's disappointing is I bet you can't get this wine like year round. 
No, probably yeah, not. Yeah, like you can't go into Target in June and find witch's brew. <laughs> I wish. That would be great. I'm I'm assuming they make other mm. um wines. Yeah. Probably. Maybe they make beer cuz well no, it's a cellars. I thought it was brewery for a second in my in my head. Um but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is excellent. Highly recommend. Five skulls, five brooms, five brooms, five pumpkins, five witches hats. <laughs> All right. Well, I believe I'm getting us started get this week. First, which is Super good, fun. Yours is apparently short and mine exploded in length. Yes. <laughs> Kelly's grew when she added water. That'd be interesting. <laughs> it's like those I little I threw my laptop things. in water and all of a sudden just like story. Do you remember those little sponge things that come in the capsules and you throw them in a glass of water and then they, they, the, the capsule dissolves and they fill up with water? Someone, I don't remember who it was, but like a friend of mine that has like children sent, well, my friend of me and my husband sent my husband a picture that like their kid was doing one, but like the head ended up not in the water. So the body was like, it was like a bodybuilder. And so the body was like, <laughs> and just like little tiny head because the head didn't puff up because it wasn't in the water. Oh my God. It was kind of great. So, so far this month, we've covered two female serial killers, a less than saintly madam, and a family of women who may have colluded in the murder and cover up of the family patriarch. Defted. Defted. So in effort to lighten things up and also to take advantage of spooky season because we don't get to cover these things very often. While sticking with our theme, I'm going to tell you the legend of the Selkie. Have you ever heard of that? Okay. I'm like I know exactly what a Selkie is. I'm like, Kelly knows. But I I learned a lot. I I had the general concept of what it was, but this was really interesting. No, like, and I feel like that's probably where I'm at. Like I know Mm -hmm. what it is. I know general information. But I'm excited to hear, like, the yep. actual whole myth behind it. So Selkies are mythical half-women, half-seal creatures from Celtic and Norse mythology. Yet another mythical woman to add to our growing roster alongside the Yara, Sirens, and La Llorona. Like, women, La specter. Llorona. La Llorona. Gonna kill her kids and find some more, cause she's a bitch. It's La Llorona. No. That was great. That was great. <laughs> Uh, I, I I thought about doing La Llorona, to be honest, but I was like, ah, it's just such a bummer. Maybe next year I want to do something that was a little more fun and had less children death. <laughs> That's where I was. I was like, mm, let's. yeah, there was a few women that I like thought about covering, but then they were like murders babies. And I was like, no, no. But yeah, I love this like mythical, creepy woman, water spirit thing. Yeah. Like women in water apparently just equal creepy. And I love it. So I'm going to mainly focus on the Scottish legends pertaining to Selkies, but there are many different versions. And even like when you go to the Scottish Isles, where a lot of these legends originate, each island like has their own version. Like it's all very diversified. So just for for, for consistency and storytelling sake, I'm like, I'm just going to stick with the Scottish legends. So Selkies wear a seal skin, which allows them to transform into a seal while wearing it and a human when they take it off. So they're not like necessarily like a mermaid where they got like the seal. No, it's like a like invisibility cloak. Almost. Yeah. You know, they turns them into a seal. Yeah. So the traditional Selkie folktale goes a little something like this. 
A lady selkie is swimming around, eating fish, and just living her best selkie life. She comes onto the shore to catch some rays and gaze out at the bountiful sea. She removes her sealskin and lays it on a rock to warm in the sun's heat. Unbeknownst to the sunbathing selkie, she's being watched. A man crouched behind a rock spies the beautiful selkie with lustful eyes. Ooh. He spots her sealskin drying on the rock. Slowly, he creeps toward the skin, arms outstretched. Before the selkie can react, the man swipes the skin. Without it, the selkie cannot transform back into a seal and return to the sea. <gasps> the man holding her skin hostage, which again is like really horrifying. Like I, I'm imagining like an animal pelt, but it's like you're literally holding her skin. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, yes and no. Like, but like, cause when she's out of it, it is kind of like an animal pelt. But yeah. Like, when you think about it technically it's not yeah this is her skin it's weird but he's holding her skin hostage and he forces the selkie to become his wife super romantic definitely how everyone should acquire a romantic partner through coercion and holding someone's skin hostage she's being sarcastic yes the half-willing couple live a simple life and slowly the selkie adjusts to her life as a captive human. She cooks, cleans, and attends to her wifely duties, but her husband often catches her staring out longingly at the sea, her true home which is so close yet so painfully out of reach. The selkie bears several children, all of whom she loves deeply, but they cannot abate her desire to return to the sea which pumps through her with every heartbeat. In some tellings, one of the Selkie's children finds her skin, which their father has kept hidden away, and returns it to their mother. In others, the Selkie finds her own skin. However, it happens once the Selkie has her skin back in her hand, she immediately retreats to the ocean. In some more, like, child-friendly versions, the Selkie returns once a year to visit her family on land, but traditionally, she's never seen again. She's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck the land, fuck all this shit. My favorite version personally is that while the Selkie is never seen in her human form again, her children are often greeted by an oddly friendly seal on the shore. I like the idea that she's like checking in on her kids and she's like, right. you're loved, but your dad's a fucking monster. <laughs> while female Selkies are most commonly depicted in stories and art, they do have male counterparts. And I, th I almost didn't cover them because I'm like, this is about women. This is about the ladies. But the differences between female selkie lore and male selkie lore is disturbing. It, it, it. So unlike the females who are victimized by lustful men, male selkies are the seductors themselves and, and entice human women. They typically attract unhappy women who are missing their fishermen husbands and leave women longing when they return to the sea. In one story, a woman who fell in love with a male selkie and had his children had to cry 700 tears into the sea whenever she wanted to see him. Like apparently the saline level in the sea goes up a tick when you cry 700 tears in. And then he's like, oh God, my fucking baby mama wants to see me again. Should have just hit it and quit it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? While well, like the females are victims. Like kidnapped. The basically. men are like these seductors preying on women where either no matter if it's a, a female selkie or a female human, it's like they're victimized by the men around them. Yeah, that is very Which interesting. Which I'm like, God damn it. Why can't the ladies on, be history. like, 
these sexy seductors, you know? Like a, be more of a siren. Yeah, than, yeah, like fuck some shit up. In some uh, in some iterations, they are a bit more siren-like, but I'll take that. Depending on the region, Selkies can only transform into humans every seven years or during the quote-unquote seventh stream, which is spring tide, or in some iteration of seven like, so every seven days, every seven years, every seven hour, you know, like some, the number some seven pops up. Seven, yeah. And this is because in some traditions, they are actually vessels for condemned souls or humans cursed for their sins or even fallen angels. So then the number seven like denotes their impurity, I guess. Hmm. Sometimes Selkies are just drowning victims reborn, which... I like to think if I drowned, I'd like transform into some kind of sea critter. Like that would make me feel a little better about drowning instead of just, nope, just your bloated body will float to the surface and become fish food. Bummer. Bums. Soups bums. (laughs) So while apparently trapping a selkie in marriage was okay, killing one was a huge no-no. Residents of the Scotch Isles avoid killing the native seals as much as possible, as killing a selkie would bring misfortune. It was only in times of great scarcity that they would kill seals for their skin and blubber. So it's like, things have to be pretty bad for them to risk killing a seal, because if it's a selkie, you're fucked. (laughs) Yeah. Selkies were more than a story though, they were used to explain otherwise unexplainable phenomenon. In this case, Selkies explained syndactyly, which I know I'm not saying correctly, but we're just going to go with it. This is a genetic condition where two or more digits are fused together or children will have like webbed feet and hands. And this kind of can create the look of flippers. Yeah. A clan of the Outer Hebrides, which is an island chain off of the Northwest of the of mainland Scotland was known as the McCaudrums of the seals as many of their kin had this condition. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it again. According to family lore, an ancestor had children with a selkie and therefore their descendants had these flipper like appendages when really it's just this genetic condition. And because right. they're, it's being passed on, but that's a convenient way to explain like why all of their offspring have this condition where their their fingers or their hands are fused together or they have webbing between their their fingers and toes and that kind of thing which honestly kind of would like make sense if you didn't know about any of that stuff it's like oh we have these seal maidens that we can have sex with well one of our ancestors must have fucked a selkie and now we all have flippers like that's my boob Sorry. <laughs> it's also possible that Scotch fishermen encountered Finnish or Sami women who mm. commonly wore seal skin clothing and used seal skin kayaks. So Sami were the like indigenous people of that area. And these seal skin clad women coming out of the sea would have to dry out their animal skins used for their kayaks and clothes on rocks. Otherwise, the, the saturated skins would lose buoyancy. Yeah. So you had like... Oh my God, I'm taking on water. I have to take my seal skin and dry it on the rock over here. Also, you don't like recognize me because I'm from somewhere else and I'm coming from the sea. I'm drying my seal skin like it all fits with the legend. Right. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah. And already this is looking almost identical to the beginning of the story that I just told. Right. The Scots who married these women may have assumed they were selkies. 
which then sparked real accounts of Selkies in family trees where it's like, no, it, you know how in the United States, everyone has like a great, great, great grandmother, aunt, cousin, whatever, who is an Indian princess. Cause sure. For, yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or everyone's like one sixteenth Cherokee. Yeah. You know? Because shit happened. Well, People a lot of it. Terrible. Well, a lot of it too is because for a time it was seen as a status symbol to have an indigenous person yeah. in your family tree. So a lot of people like made that shit up. That's interesting. Yeah. I, guess so, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And this is what that kind of reminds me of, except these people I think may have actually legit thought they were married to Selkies, <laughs> which I'm like, talk about. Maybe that know, kept him in line. A lack more. of communication. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, if they're from a different country, particularly. Okay. So like of, cause we're talking about Scotland, right? Like yeah. they're not going to be able to speak Finnish. No, no, exactly. But I'm just um, like, I guess. But you're saying like communication. I'm saying there, there probably wasn't any because of just the differing languages. And that that's what I'm saying, though. I'm like, OK, so this hot lady rolls up on her sea, seal skin kayak and you're like, I'm a marry that can't understand her she can't understand me but i'm a marry that and marry that bitch and then there's a bunch of babies i don't know it just it's a weird logic but it kind of it makes sense right that's very interesting so the the story of the selkie was passed on through oral tradition but has transcended into poems books tv shows movies art everything i think we actually had a musical or a book on tape or something where it was about a selkie at the daycare yeah wow one movie in particular that i'd like to see is song of the sea which is by tom moore who did secret of the kells and it's this it's this really like beautiful animation style it's based on like irish and celtic folklore uh i highly recommend secret of the kells i would love to see song of the sea but i have not seen it yet and that is the legend of the selkies Yeah, another uh, mythical water woman to add to our growing roster. Yeah, that's I great, feel like though. we could make an entire trading card set of just mythical women and like water women would dominate. It's like uh, 90% of them are aquatic in some way. <laughs> aquatic or amphibious. That's funny. Yeah. I like that. That was a good one. Yeah. Are you are you going to bring us down now with some actual um, murder? <laughs> I mean, uh, just a little actual murder. There was it was one murder and it's real fucked up. She only killed one she only person, killed you guys. One person. Calm down. Well, I guess two technically. <laughs> the lady was pregnant. Oh no. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot about that. Oh no. Kelly. And, t- okay. and technically the person I'm talking about didn't do the killing. So fucked up all right you just have to tell me the story because yeah, immediately i'm like why did i go first because it was your turn <laughs> it was so i'm i'm covering um someone who's known as ma duncan that is not her name is actually elizabeth but they called her ma duncan and you'll you'll see why okay so this so is dr liz's ma. this is dr liz's antithesis yeah yes no <laughs> there can be there can be good liz's and there can be bad, bad liz's, liz's. Yeah, never trust a Lizzie. So never call, trust a Lizzie, though. Ma. Okay, cool. So Ma was born in 1904. So old. You know, she was considered a drifter, and there's not a lot known about her younger life. Some things came out later, such as that she was married somewhere between 11 and 20 times. She had several children. Um, 
a lot of the times she got married, it was under the guise of inheriting money and then basically cashing out and leaving. And it came out much later, like while she was in trial, um, that she didn't annul or get divorced in most of those marriages. So she was legitimately just like married to a whole bunch of different people. So she was committing bigamy. Yep. And while legally, like, the court records were able to show that it was between 11 and 20, she only admitted to actually having been married 10 times and said she forgot about the rest of them. You know how sometimes you get married and, you it, like, you're in autopilot mode and you're like, I don't really know how I got married. I just kind of, like, right. remember leaving the courthouse. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they say she had about six children. I really only talk about one of them. Because her son, Frank. Oh, I love that Frank, name. Um, was the absolute center of her life. Okay. So quite a number of stories that I read and just even within the stories themselves, like they disputed the, the exact number of children she had. But the one thing everyone knows is that Ma's son, 29 years old at the beginning of this story, was 100% like the apple of her eye, her everything, potentially more of the object of her obsession <laughs> than anything else. So uh, Frank ended up like he, you know, he's 29 years old at the beginning of the story. So he had left home, but then he came back when um, his his sister, Patty Ann, um, died of quote unquote spontaneous cerebral hemorrhaging that's what's it her okay so her brain exploded spontaneously probably i don't it never said how old she was like some accounts said that she was a like child some said that she was 15 like they're all accounts said that she was definitely under 15 but they were like yeah like Something bad probably happened and she probably got like hit in the head and the mom probably killed her. But no one, like no one is for sure. Like she literally could have just actually had some kind of accident and died. No one's really sure. But I hate it. This cause. Yeah, that's it. That's literally the only mention of any of her other children, though. Oh, my God. I mean, probably uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so Frank, you know, obviously moved back in to help his, you know, distressed mother. Um, and all by all accounts, they were a cozy twosome, which is exactly how Ma wanted it. Is this some Norman Bates shit? Because I am. They never confirm it. Ed Gein. But yeah, a little bit. No. Oh, no. Not Ed Gein. More Norman Batesy. Well, well, like the Norman weird, Bates is partially based off the, of Ed Gein. The non, the son, as far as we know, didn't kill anyone. Okay, but, but, but like what the I'm relationship saying, with the mom. Yeah, yeah gross. It's, yeah, love it. Never one hundred percent confirmed, but. Probably. So in the 1950s, um, Frank, who was an adult, obviously, so because he's in his 30s by now, successful lawyer. So he's an adult lawyer. But he, So he moves to Santa Barbara, California with Ma, brings his mom with him. Um, and, you know, so he's going about his career and his mom would follow her adult son from courtroom to courtroom in all of his cases and applaud loudly whenever he won. Yeah. Okay. You know what I hate about this is 
I think we have all seen those parent-child relationships where it, the the parent is very overbearing and refuses to allow the child the child to have any independence or their own it's life. Just... Like they're they're involved to the point of toxicity. Oh yeah, that's definitely this. Like and, and they like worship their, their child can do no wrong and that is very unsettling. Right. And I hate it. Apparently one of her many marriages took place during this as well when she married one of Frank's classmates because uh, she was lying about her age. Ew! So he didn't realize that it was like Frank's mom. He, You oh know, like, God. yeah, it was weird. Frank, why are you weird. at my wedding right now? Well, you're marrying my mom. Yeah, I don't know. What? They didn't go into a lot of details about that, but I was just like, what? I had so many questions. This is this is like um, uh, some Melrose Place drama. So obviously, you know, Frank's trying to be an adult and like get his shit together. So obviously him and his mom fought a lot. Not shocking, like at all. So after a few years of living together in, you know, after they moved, he was like, nope, this is my time. You know, I'm in my 30s. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to start my own life. Like, mom, you're fine. So he's like, I'm going to go. Because obviously he's successful. He's a lawyer, you know, like, and so the, what I read was, you know, he decided to untie his mom's apron strings, you know, because. Cut the umbilical cord. Cut the cord. umbilical cord. Yeah. He's like, this is time. I, I will say good for him because I was expecting it to be like, he's almost infantilized where he's like, mom, you cut the crust of my PB&J and cut it into the shape of a heart for me. I have a right. big case today and I need my protein. Like I was, I was thinking like he was a, a mm, one, no, one of those really. like man children where not it's quite. like, do you not know how to be an adult? <laughs> his mom was though. His mom. So I hate when- her. When Ma found out that her, you know, darling boy was going to leave her, her reaction was to pitch an unholy fit, just screaming and yelling, and then overdose on sleeping pills. That's because, so manipulative. you know, if love and obligation and the fact that she's, you know, his mom isn't enough to, you know, keep him at home, maybe old-fashioned guilt will do it. That was her thinking. Well, and we've seen that in toxic relationships before, the threat to commit suicide. Oh, like, oh, if you huge. leave me, I'll kill in, myself. In um, abuse cases, that's huge. And which, In which case, if someone says that to you, you call 911 and you leave because mm-hmm. you are not responsible. Put them on suicide watch. Yeah, that's like, do not let someone keep you there with that kind of crap right. because that is awful. And that's a reflection on them, not like what you're putting them through. That's a reflection on their... right need it's for control them. Them. and yeah. their level of manipulation and if something if they do go through with it it is not your fault it is not you call 911 and you get the fuck out so ma in this case definitely calculated correctly and frank returned to her side for a bit she almost over calculated because while she was recovering at cottage hospital she was attended by a very attractive 29 year old nurse named olga Kupchik, don't ask me to pronounce that last name again. I'm assuming she's Russian or thereabouts. Um, so obviously her boy, who was visiting her every day, started falling for this nurse, who he was also seeing every day. I love this. So he stuck close to Ma, but started sticking closer to Olga. And when Frank began dating her, Ma took it. Bad. Nearly every day, 
Olga would receive a phone call from Ma telling her to leave her boy alone. When those admi- admi- when those didn't work, Ma began making death threats. She even crawled her way into Olga's apartment using the ruse that, you know, oh, I'm here to pick up stuff for my son as, as like a ruse to get into the apartment. It's still not, no one ever found out what she was looking for, but on her way out of the apartment, she told the building manager, quote, she is not going to have him. I will kill her if it is the last thing I do. And then everyone was like, she's don't so tell emotional. That. Exactly. That's she's exactly so emotional. It. She's just she's clearly hysterical. She's having a hard time letting go. Don't take her seriously. Women can't be violent. So if you think the fact that they were dating was bad, imagine how Ma reacted when she found out that Frank and Olga got secretly married. Oh, snap. She went nuclear. Just, she was so mad and she declared to everyone that would listen to her that she would never allow the couple to live together, even after she found out that Olga was pregnant. No, don't. I know where this is going and do not. They lived happily ever after. They pushed Ma off a cliff. We're fine. Yeah, we're talking about Ma dying, right? No. Yeah. Um, in fact, after, soon after she found out that Olga was pregnant, Ma was talking to her friend Barbara Reed, whom, you know, they knew for a while. And she started saying that Olga was pregnant by another man and that Olga was trying to, quote unquote, frame Frank as the father and actually offered her friend $1,500 to kill her daughter-in-law. Just casual conversation. And she is like, I'll give you 1500 bucks if you go kill her. Okay, another, uh, another life tip here. Don't do it. Never. If someone is telling you like this person's really bad, I'll give you money to kill them. One, they are probably lying about the situation. Two, don't do it. Three, call the cops immediately after. So she didn't call the cops, but she did call Frank, the friend. The friend called Frank and was like, dude. And then you also called the cops. Your mom's gone crazy. (laughs) But instead of, you know, like talking to his mom and maybe like somehow protecting his wife or calling the cops. Frank moved back home. Shut up. So he left his pregnant wife to move to basically pacify his mother. I I don't want to be too critical of Frank because this is obviously a an abusive relationship. This is with his mother. His parents oh, so, is ab- emotionally so abusing him. And it takes a what an average of like seven times to get out of an abusive relationship. And that's what this is. But I'm also like, he's also enabling her at the same time. This this woman is like threatening you, threatening your wife who is pregnant. You got your child. You got secret married for a reason. Clearly, you know how crazy your mother is. I feel honestly, I feel really terrible for Olga right now, because if my husband with his creepy, murdery mother was like making him leave pregnant me, I'd be like. Bitch, I'm a, I'm out. I'm right. outie. This is <laughs> bullshit. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, Elizabeth was still furious, though, because he was still going to see Olga, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and she continued to harass Olga. She obviously knew where she worked, so she had to go to her work and harass her. And the reason she had to go to her work to harass her is because Elizabeth kept, or not Elizabeth, Olga kept moving to hide from her because oh my it, it was God. getting to the point that it was bad enough that she was like, no, like I can't like you're harassing me and I'm like afraid that you know where I live. Yeah. And that's actually a common thing. If you're being stalked and harassed, you have to move and the person just somehow keeps finding you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
Ma would actually later admit that she actually had a um, a plot to kidnap Frank, her own son. So she was going to kidnap her own son if he wouldn't stay away from Olga to, quote, try to talk some sense into him. I didn't want to lose my Frankie and I couldn't stand life alone and I knew it. Jesus Christ, so that's, Ma. that's what she said. Jesus Christ. When she was talking about kidnapping her own child. Oh, my God. So all the while that, you know, Frank was seeing Olga, she but he kept running back to his mom and back and forth between his mom and his wife supposedly he said that he had an arrangement to live with his mother just until the birth of his first child. And then he would cut ties and be done. That's may, he may have had the best intentions, but I think we all knew, no, even, even if something horrible does not happen, that right. wasn't going to happen. So in fall of 1958, so this is all happening within the same year. Olga's yeah. still pregnant, you know, whatever. Ma decided to come up with another absolute crackpot plan to get Frank away from Olga. She talked to an ex-con she knew through her son, because remember, he's a lawyer. Oh, God. <laughs> so this, like, is, this is someone that he had, like, defended in court. She's got such a weird network. I know. Um, that's just, so she talked to this man named Ralph Winterstein into portraying Frank. So they went down to the courthouse saying he was Frank and she was Olga. How she passed as a 30-year-old woman? Well, she did try to marry, or she did marry one of Frank's classmates. But still, how and- she passes as a 30-year-old woman... When she was in her, like, when she was almost 60, no one will ever know. But. No, everyone was too embarrassed to yeah, be like, right? this 30-year-old lady looks oh. rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they went down to get her son's marriage annulled because they were acting as the couple. So because they were acting as the couple, obviously it was an uncontested hearing. Um, and Frank, Ralph, Frank, uh, testified that Olga... Uh, that he hadn't been living with Olga since they got married and that they had no intention of living together so that they, so they shouldn't be married. So obviously because, you know, the couple wasn't together, Ralph Frank, Frank Ralph was granted an annulment. So technically the marriage was null and void, but also wasn't because it was fraud. It was, yeah, it was fraud, but on the papers, they were not considered legally married anymore. Right. So the annulment was only the first step in Ma's plan. Oh, no. Next, she had a friend approach Ralph, same Ralph, and ask him if he would be willing to take care of Olga. You know, take her out. She's involving so many people. He declined and would have gone to the cops, but he was too afraid of the fraud charge that he would have gotten for the annulled marriage that he never did. Ma fucking knew that. Ma fucking knew that. She's like, I have something on you now. It's either you'll do this for me. And every, you know, I get what I want all around or you won't do this to me and you can't do anything. You know, there's such a thing as calling it an anonymous tip. Right. (laughs) But Ma didn't stop there. She kept looking and eventually about two weeks after the whole annulment plan, Ma was finally put with two guys that were just greedy and dumb enough to do what Ma wanted them to. The two men were 21-year-old Louis Louis Moya and 26-year-old Gus Baldonada. So Louis and Gus, they were two um, hitmen. So they weren't really hitmen. They were more like um, petty con men, like because they did have like prior rap sheets, but like 
not murder. Like, they were just shitty thieves, basically. Yeah, well, and, like, whenever you hear about these stories of, like, someone hiring a quote-unquote hitman, it's literally, like, it's not like, I've trained and I'm an expert martial artist and weapons person. Sometimes, but generally those are, like, mafia people where literally that is their life. Like, if you're you're hiring someone off the street. It's literally just someone who's willing to kill another human being for money. It's someone who's greedy. Yeah, it's, it's just someone who's willing to take that step. And that is exactly what these two were. Yeah, you're not getting James Bond here. (laughs) I'm guessing they somehow knew Ralph because when they were told about this job that Ma wanted done, they were also informed that she was a blackmailer. Wonder who told them that. Yeah. Um, They didn't care, though. They wanted the money. She had offered them $6,000 to brutally murder a pregnant woman, $3,000 in advance, and $3,000 after. Jesus Christ. Like, not like 3,000 each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm total? I'm literally just imagining uh, Cruella Deville's henchmen. Oh, sorry, Hor- Horace and whatever. I, I read that wrong. It was three thousand once the job was done, and then another three thousand three to six months later to his not arouse suspicion. So she didn't offer to pay them anything up front. Oh, so they're extra dumb. Good God, she did give them one hundred and seventy-five dollars before everything started for expenses, and told them to kidnap her, drive her to Tijuana, and kill her. Because then it's in Mexico, you know, like shit gets harder when. It, yeah. They, but then you're facing federal crime. I'm like, gee, like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyways, so on the, on the evening of November 17th, 1958, Gus and Louie rented a car from a friend for $25. <laughs> uh, 1958. They drove to Olga's apartment, knocked on the door, and Olga, seven months pregnant, answered, and nobody saw her again. I hate this. In fact, her husband, Frank, had not seen her in the final 10 days prior to this because he was back at his mom's house. Oh, my God. This poor woman. Right? Like, she is going through so much. She is being stalked and harassed by her husband's mother. She is pregnant. Her husband's not even around because he's trying to placate I his know. controlling, abusive mother. Like, I'd rather have him around and protect me if she shows up than have him with with her i i personally. don't think i mean i, I wouldn't could, stay in that relationship but i have to say i i don't think i could be in that relation and and here's the thing i'm not judging her because well, it's like, how we all have not, our weird limits how but, did you not notice that when you were at the hospital like because he was there visit you know like well, I will say, who expects this level of yeah. insanity from any other human being, right. you know? So Olga was discovered missing the next day by a friend and colleague named Adeline Curry, who is the chief surgical nurse at St. Francis Hospital, because obviously she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. So they, they discovered her missing. She had gone to Olga's apartment after the young nurse had failed to show up for an important operation that following morning, and she was very worried. She became even more alarmed when she found that the door to the apartment had been left open. All of the lights were on. The bed covers had been turned back like someone was about to go to sleep but never had. And Olga was nowhere to be found. That's so uns... The scene of any area where it looks like someone just disappeared, like, you can see the signs of life. Right. You know, you can see the signs of activity. Like, remember when we were in college and we volunteered with United Way at that nursing home, and one wing of the nursing home was an abandoned daycare. 
and we right. got to walk through it and there were no lights. There were still pictures of like teachers and kids on the walls. There were toys. Oh, yeah. It looked like literally just the kids didn't show up the it's, next day. Stuff like that is it's so creepy. Be- because it's signs of life with the painful absence of actual life. Right. It's so creepy. I hate it. So, you know, when people came sniffing around Olga's apartment, Olga's landlady, who refused to be identified because for fear of, like, retribution. Valid. Said that she had one suspect in mind, a Mrs. Elizabeth Duncan, whom she had only met on one occasion when she had come looking for Olga. The landlady said that Elizabeth was raving mad and declared that she would kill Olga if it was the last thing she ever did. Then... She told the landlady that her son and Olga weren't married at all and they were actually living in sin. When the landlady challenged her, Elizabeth snapped, quote, all you have to do is check with Ventura County. The marriage has been annulled. The landlady told police and the reporters that would inevitably come sniffing around that Olga was deathly afraid of her mother-in-law and had been moving frequently to stay one step ahead of her. Oh, my God. So obviously the DA immediately started looking into this because they ha- obviously had somewhere to start. Yeah. You know, it's not like one of those, someone goes missing and they're like, I don't know. We literally have no idea. So when the DA's investigation revealed that the annulment was a fraud, because I'm sure, you know, like they looked into it and then they were like, um, nah, like this, these weren't those people. Cause, it's uh, super weird because Frank was in the courtroom that's next what I'm door assuming. defending someone. Like I'm assuming they looked at <laughs> records and were like, well, Olga was in surgery and Frank was in a trial so yeah <laughs> you oh know? my god so you know they they found out that that was a fraud so ma was promptly arrested on charges of bribing a witness to influence testimony because obviously she bribed ralph who was mm-hmm. frank falsifying legal paperwork forgery with the intent to defraud and aiding and abetting in making false statements under oath so like they already have her on a bunch of charges and they're like well you know we'll start with this because we technically can't prove you did anything to her yeah, but yeah. we have you. So while Ma was facing charges related to fraud, um, Louis and Gus, whose full name was actually Augustine, I put, no, I put that in my notes way down here. He's Gus. Yeah, uh, Louis and Gus were arrested because they they found out their connection. However, at first, police refused to say what they were actually arrested for and like what because they they didn't want to tip people off that that. They were arrested for looking into, like, for Olga's yeah. disappearance. Probably because they didn't want Ma to know. Don't they have to tell you what you're being arrested I'm sure, for? I'm sure they told them. Oh, they didn't okay. tell, like, the press or anything. Like, hey, yeah. we're arresting these people, you know. Because sometimes they, they're just, like. On suspicion of kidnapping, exactly. murder, collusion. Nope. So Ma appeared in court for all these other charges. And guess who was representing her? Her dutiful son, Frank. Frank, honey. In, in fact, the two walked into the courtroom hand in hand. So either Frank was a complete idiot, delusional, somehow in on it, or most likely just in complete denial regarding his mother's involvement in his wife's disappearance. I, I feel like it's got to be denial because at that point, how do you not feel some level of responsibility? Right. He would go on to tell the reporters waiting outside that he believed his wife was still alive and that she had just run away and that he had no insight into why Ma had taken the drastic measure of faking an annulment and had no more comments. <sighs> Frank. No, I'm good. <laughs> you have the rest of my story and another story to go. That's right. I just tried to pour with a <laughs> lid on. The story's getting to me. Um, 
so obviously as things proceeded and cops talked to the other two, Louie and Gus, um, they were eventually all three of them. So it wasn't just the two, you know, as they talked on December 19th, 1958. So just a month later ish, they were all, um, arraigned on conspiracy to murder Olga Duncan. Because obviously, remember, she married Frank, so her yeah. name's Duncan now, instead of the one I can't pronounce. Yes. <laughs> so bail for each of them was set at $100,000 a piece, which is over $7 million a piece today. I'm going to say right now, I'm I'm setting my boundaries as a listener. Uh, if Frank posts his mom's bail, I'm, I've lost sympathy for him. I'm done. He I'm done with Frank. He did not post his mom's bail, but he was able to talk the judge into reducing her bail. And then he disappeared. Frank? Yep. Um, yep. It was weird. They had to like hunt him down was, later. Oh, like he, he no, like poofed he just, himself? He just poofed himself. Okay. I'm like, did not kill him? So two days later after they were arraigned on conspiracy to murder... Uh, Gus broke and told them where to find Olga. I'm and glad actually, like, they were led able to them find to her, her body. Because I was gonna say, I'm like, if they took her to Mexico and they're like, I I could see them just not saying anything. It's like, oh, and we still don't know what happened to poor Olga. The funny thing and her is, baby. Or, it's not funny. It's not like haha funny, but it's kind of like a little funny that the same morning that Gus confessed, the police had put out a plea to the public. For help finding her body. And then, like, they went back and talked to Gus, and Gus was like, nah, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I bet those police looked like idiots. <laughs> like, that they were like, please help us. And then they were like, never mind. JK. We're good. So he he led them to the body, obviously implicated both his partner, Lewis, and Ma, who had hired them. Mm-hmm. Um, And then that would lead Louis to go on to confessing his part. And Ma, however, was like, nope, I didn't do anything. I didn't hire them. I didn't do anything. She she has this level of plausible deniability because she was not there. She put that distance between herself and the victim. So I was wrong. She was French. Ma? Uh, no. Oh, Olga, Olga was French? She was French-Canadian. Oh, no wonder we couldn't pronounce any of her names. During this time, after her body was found, Elias... I'm not going to try the last name. Elias, which was her father, okay. um, traveled from Benito, Manitoba, Canada... To bring his daughter home. But because they couldn't find her husband, Frank, who was considered next of kin, he was not allowed to until until Frank was located to sign the papers. Oh, my God. I'm, so he I'm had to wa- He Frank. had to wait like an extra month to bring his daughter home because Frank was just fucking nowhere to be found. I feel like they Frank eventually just found totally him. abandoned responsibility no, over is, this situation. That is exactly it. Because his mom had like two other lawyers and basically they found him in like an apartment in New York just kind of like being like, nope, I don't want to be a part of this. Oh my God. So what happened that night? So the, this is not, this is, I'm going to say a violence warning. It's not necessarily a trigger warning, but it's... It's a trigger it, it's warning not, for violence. It's not super graphical, but it's still... Sad and a little disturbing. So, the night that Olga disappeared, as I said, um, uh, Gus had knocked on her door on of her apartment and told her that Frank was in his car, drunk, and he needed help, you know, just getting him from the car into the apartment. Olga 
you know, being like, okay, like, why else would you show up? Like, I don't know you. How would you know who I am? Like, right. if, if you don't have my husband, like, went with him. And when she peered into the back seat where Louie was there pretending to be Frank, um, they hit her over the back of the head and shoved her in the car. Oh, my God. And again, they it had was- a gun, but they decided to hit her with it instead of, like, just being like, get in the car. <laughs> why? Dino. I love their New York gangsters now. I'm there. They're in New York. I thought they were in California. I thought they moved to New York. Maybe no, they were from Frank- New York and they moved to California. Yeah, you said they moved to California. Hold on. Oh, yeah, Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, because Ventura County is California. That's right. Frank somehow got to New York. Yeah, Frank peaced out to the other end of the country because yeah, he's like, I'm not he's like, dealing, I'm not dealing with, this. with this. Dude, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure he's going through his own stuff, but right. come on. So as originally agreed upon, Louis and Gus intended to take Olga to, to Tijuana to kill her. Which never never cross borders. Like, I'm sorry, because then you take it from local to federal, and then you're in so much more yeah, trouble. But the thing is, if you can get the country that you cross into to cooperate. Yeah, or you go it, to a country you know, that's not an extradition. There's a whole bunch of things. Let's, yeah. let's not help people that are killing people. Yeah, no. Um, Just don't kill people. But, so they were going to take her to Tijuana. Instead, they realized two things. One... The car that they had borrowed for $25 was not going to make it to Mexico. <laughs> it was Two, a piece of shit. She was waking up and they were getting really annoyed of her struggling and screaming in the backseat. Oh, I'm sorry. Does this poor woman fighting for her life bother you? Right. You so, goddamn so instead, creeps. To keep her quiet, they hit her with the gun until it broke. Oh my God. Oh, she's still alive. Don't worry. Oh my God. At this point, they headed south. This is more for our California listeners because I don't know any of this, but I I still included it. So they headed south on Highway 101, drove a little over 10 miles to the cap- cafeteria, then went another few miles to the Casita Pass Road. Gus recalled that the road that there was a road to get to a winery near Oha, and that's kind of where they were. Okay. That, and that, that was his, like, marker for helping them find the body, and I'm like, a winery? Don't you bring wine into this. But come on, guys. You bitch. So by the time they stopped, they were about seven miles into Ventura County. So they had crossed counties at this yeah. point. Um, and it was quiet, dark, and deserted. Louis and Gus drag Olga out of the car and down a small embankment. They couldn't shoot her because they'd broken the gun. So instead, they strangled her. God damn it. Until um, Louis, who had been an army medic... Decided she was dead. Yep. The men were so pathetically bad at being kidnappers and murderers that they had neglected to bring shovels to kill someone. So they had to dig a grave by hand in this little drainage ditch. This is in the middle of the night. These are Cruella DeVille's bumbling henchmen. I never even looked up their picture, but I kind of want to because I'm like, that's who I imagine in my head. Yeah. Um, so after they dug this, and I mean, that's that's why it ended up being a shallow grave because, I mean, digging by hand is terrible. Yeah. And depending on the soil, you're not going to get very far. So they, they dug a shallow grave and they buried Olga. Olga was still wearing the wedding ring that Frank had given her. They didn't oh take it off. They just, God. you know, they left her there. It later turned out, and this is probably the biggest trigger warning. So maybe skip a few seconds ahead. But it later turned out that no, Gus was just as bad of a medic as he was a murderer no. because Olga wasn't dead when they buried her. No. 
That is true nightmare so fuel. She, she suffocated to death, but not because of them. Well, she was unconscious, but alive when she was buried. And this su- su- was buried alive. This poor woman. And the way she was even lured out of the apartment was because she was devoted she, to her husband. I know. She's like, oh, my husband's drunk. Let me go help. Him. Good God. And then Frank doesn't even have the decency to like uh, claim her body or right. at least like turn that over. He just completely dis. No, first, yep. first he talks his mom's bail down and, and then, then he disappears. Yeah. Like, so after the murder, Gus and Louie were obviously desperate for their share of money. Like I said, she had only given him $175 pre-murder. And I have honestly, I think this is probably one of the reasons they rolled so easily on her is because she never paid them. She was supposed to give them $6,000 total. Um, but the one time she met them, she gave them, she gave them 150 bucks and then she later gave them $10 and that was it. So in total, they, she gave them 175 to cover like renting the car for 25 bucks and yeah. God knows what they did with the other 150. And then she didn't gave buy them, shovels. Yeah, nope. <laughs> or really anything apparently. God. Um, and then she gave him a total of $160. So I'm sure that's one of the many reasons they were like, fuck this bitch. Yeah. Um, I would be especially like, I, I, I can see Ma thinking that, well, they're not going to turn me in because they're the ones that murdered someone. Right. And so why like, would they implicate you. themselves? But here's the thing. The second they get caught, what's keeping them? If anything, Absolutely they're going to roll nothing. on you quicker because you're they can a get bitch. A sh- well, they can get a short sentence. Yeah. They, they cooperate they, with police. Yeah. So obviously the court case of these three. Was a fucking circus. Mo- mostly Ma's. I was going to say Ma is a circus. People were very interested to hear the story of a man who slept at his mother's house despite being married. And newspapers shied just short of calling it incestuous mm-hmm. by using the term unnatural love. Unnatural love. But the implication they were using was obvious, as I hope was also in my story. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, like, this is a story of inept murderers, a jealous mother-in-law, and a husband who couldn't betray mommy dearest. So Frank's behavior was obviously under heavy scrutiny as well, because not only was he in the hot seat for his mother's behavior, but during the court case, it it, it came out that he was dating another woman while he was married to Olga. <gasps> no! Yeah, he stayed loyal for, like, all of six months. Fuck! Okay, no. We'll, I, we'll get more into it in a bit. I'm over, so, Frank. I'm going to go into the trial now, and this is what, like, doubled the length of my paper. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. telling Emily I found this blog that it wasn't quite, like, the ex- exact transcripts from the trial, but it was, like, somebody, like, retelling the transcripts. The play-by-play. Oh, my God. I I kept out a lot of it, but I kept, like, the, like, the, the good, the... The hits, of yeah, it. the so, gra- the greatest hits of Ma the Circus Fire Duncan's trial, right? So one of one of the people that um, on the prosecution side was named Barbara Reed. She was a car hop at the Blue Onion restaurant, Blue Onion, um, and had been Ma's friend for around ten years. She testified in August of 1958. This is this is I think the woman that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that she asked she asked her if she would put get Olga out of the way because she was interfering with Frank. Yeah. So I had mentioned it before, but in the trial, obviously, Mrs. Reed went into a little more detail because, you know, you're under oath. And she actually said that Ma had told her that she had plenty of acid and anything else that she might need to deal with Olga. 
and that Ma wanted her to go to Olga's apartment, throw acid in her face, and that Ma would even help and hide behind her so that when the acid was thrown in her face, they could wrap her in a blanket and take her away and dump her over a cliff. Good God. Yep. Um, and th- this is the point that even in court, Reed said that she had realized that Ma was absolutely crazy um, and that she would not think of the offer and then instead phoned Frank. This is the part of her testify read as thus. This is like her conversation with Frank. Quote, the next day I asked him to come out to the Blue Onion. He came out and I said, this is very important. It is sort of a real dangerous matter here. And he said, are you in trouble? And I told him what his mother had came up with. And I said, you have to do something about her, Frankie. The girl is in danger and I think your mother has gone crazy. He said, you know it too then. And I told him to do something with Olga, either get her out of town or take her someplace where she would be safe. And he said, I'll do what I can. And that is all he said. Which is, was nothing. Right. Except cheat on her. Right. So besides, you know, all this character witness that was not in Ma's favor, Fra- you know, Frank obviously took the stand as well. And his testimony took an uncomfortable peak when they started discussing the dynamic between the mother and the son. He revealed that his mother didn't want him to marry ever. At all. Period. Full stop. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And that while Frank's memory seemed to be very good, it failed him at crucial moments, such as um, wh- when he was asked if his mom had any objections to him dating Olga, he just simply couldn't remember. Frank went on to describe his living arrangement following his marriage to Olga, and he said that he lived part-time with his mother and part-time with Olga and the, when the newlyweds moved into the apartment, he said he went home to Mama each night with few exceptions. When he was asked why he didn't stay with Olga, as most husbands would, he said, quote, Well, sir, my mother, when we first got married, used to call me at the office a lot, and I understood she called my wife sometimes, and my wife and myself, well, we had an understanding that I would just stay home with Ma until shortly before the baby arrived. Like, I, mm, I love. I feel like, like Olga was not part of that conversation. No, she super was not. And also, I love. He's like, well, she called me. She called my wife. He doesn't allude to what the the nature of those conversations, which we know now were incredibly aggressive and threatening, because Olga is moving to get away from her and try to hide from her. But he just kind of trails off. He's like, well, we just decided it was best for me to you know go home to mommy every night. Frank would go on to further testify that after he married Olga, um, Ma had purchased a gun and threatened to take her own life, and that he took the the gun from her and promised that he she or made her promise that she would return it to the pawn shop. As far as Frank knew, Ma had returned it. Yes, let's trust her to return the weapon when she's threatening. Here's the other thing: she is telling. Olga's landlady, her friend. Like, like she's, she's telling, literally telling everyone she fucking could that she was going to kill this girl. Yeah, like total strangers. I refuse to believe that she never said that to Frank. Like, I want that girl dead. I want her out of here. Like, Frank knew that his mother was a right. threat. And here's the thing. I don't think Frank was necessarily a part of the plot. I personally, and maybe my opinion no, will I, change. I think he was just in denial. Yeah, I, I think he was just this like passive observer who refused to do anything about it. Yeah. Like I, he could have done more and he didn't. So as evidence mounted and as the, their own testimonies came closer, Ma did the one thing she thought she could do under this circumstance. She decided to enter a plea of insanity. So she went in said that she was not guilty by reason of insanity. Thank 
God, it would ultimately fail. Yeah. She was interviewed by several shrinks and she even submitted to a brainwave test, but nothing in literally any of the tests they gave her came close to insane. She knew what she was doing. Yep. So Dr. Lewis Nash, who was the assistant director of the Camarillo State Hospital at the time, described Elizabeth Duncan as a psychopathic personality and a psychopathic liar, but completely sane. No, she's a bitch. She's a total monster, but she knows exactly what she's doing. Quickly following suit, both Louis and Gus decided to withdraw their not guilty pleas and enter a pleas of guilty by insanity. <laughs> Just like Ma, they were found sane. Yeah. Although, you know. If anything, dumb, they are- Dumb as a box of, ro- box of rocks, yeah. but sane. If anything, they have less of a claim to insanity because they're, they're not- I've, I, You could argue that she's struggling with mental illness, which obviously does not equate to insanity, but they're just bastards. <laughs> like They're just like, yeah, we'll totally murder someone for money. No big deal. Fuck you. Right. You're just a piece of shit. So another person that testified was another of Ma's friends named Emma Short, who testified to overhearing threatening phone calls made by Ma to Olga and when she at when she was asked about the relationship between Ma and Frank, Emma said that he often called his mother doll and she'd heard him promise many times, I'll never leave you. While no one had mentioned incest directly, there were many oblique references to it in the questioning of multiple witnesses about the relationship between mother and son. Emma was asked about sleeping arrangements in their tiny two-bedroom apartment that Frank and Ma shared and she told the quote the court quote Mrs. Duncan's bedroom could be seen from the living room. Frank was lying in her bed and she came out and said, isn't he beautiful? Mm. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yeah. It's so creepy. And again, like Frank is a victim in his own right in this story. I, but he's also an enabler. Like that's my thing is like, yes, he is a vict- victim, but he, I feel like he also knows exactly what he's doing. Well, no. Uh, okay. So he's a victim that being said, we are all responsible for our decisions. Like he's an adult. He is, you know, we, we can, it's like with a murder, you know, any murderer, you know, we can understand like, oh, well they had a really hard life and abuse and can trace their abuse back to their actions. Like you're still responsible for those actions though, or in Frank's case, lack thereof. Right. So I feel, I feel for him. I feel bad for him. He is a victim, but at the same time, I'm really, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I don't actually feel for him that much. Okay. So finally it was Elizabeth's or Ma's day in court. And again, she walked in with her son, which just like, it just makes me go, oh, I hate it. You know, at this point that she killed your wife. Yeah. The courtroom was a tizzy. Obviously, like this is the testimony everyone's been waiting for. Mm -hmm. Um, And they... they got even more excited when Ma's past was starting to be exposed during cross-examination. She was married about 16 times, failed to get an annulment or divorce on most of them. And they also revealed that she had a total of six children. Six. We heard about two. Yeah. Ma acknowledged, like I said, 10 of the marriages and couldn't recall the others. And when she was asked about her relationship with Frank, Ma said it was one of love and devotion. And when the DA just flat out asked her if she loved Frank more than any of her other children, Ma was just like, yep. Ma then tried to persuade the jury that she had nothing to do with this and that they killed Olga and were blackmailing her. Yeah. 
So while Ma's personality was quite revealed during this trial, Frank, on the other hand, was a bit hard to get a handle on. And what he knew, when he knew it, and exactly what kind of man he was. It was brought up that when he was in law school, his mom was running a brothel. And somehow he must have, like, she was, he was living with her, so he must have known. Yeah. How did he feel about that? He never said. There were, however, a few glimpses into how Frank felt about certain things. He became angry and actually rose to objection when the DA taunted him by calling him Frankie, <laughs> which is what his mom calls him. Yep. He left the courtroom in tears during Louis's testimony in which he recounted the details of Olga's death. Mm. Frank admitted that he dated a woman in San Francisco during a business trip while married to Olga. He didn't bother to tell his date that he was married. And apparently Frank couldn't even be faithful for six months into his duration. Jesus to his marriage, marriage with Olga. To make it worse, Frank got married a second time secretly during his mom's trial. Oh, who would marry this guy? I don't who know. in their right mind would marry this guy? Frank, the audacity of you. Right. So when it came time to decide Ma's fate, the jury only took four hours and 51 minutes to find her guilty on all charges on March 16th, 1959. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with I'm, my my birthday being related to someone being found guilty of something. Yeah. She and her two co-conspirators were sentenced to death four days later. Frank fought for his mother until the bitter end. Oh my Appeals, God. anything he could try to do. When Ma Duncan was led to the gas chamber, she asked where her son was. It wasn't that he was angry or sad or anything. It was that he was in the federal court trying to receive a last minute reprieve for her. That is the only reason he wasn't there. And her last recorded words on record are, where's Frank? I want to see my son. So all three of them were executed together in the gas chamber of San Quentin State Prison on August 8th, 1962, the last triple execution in California. In fact, she was the last woman to be executed in California before the United States Supreme Court suspended the death penalty. After his mother's death, Frank moved to Los Angeles and continued working as a lawyer. The end. I have no words. <laughs> no, right. I'm just... I I like wanted to like look him up and like see what became of his life after but I'm like you know what he doesn't even deserve it. I I kind I I kind of don't give a shit. So yeah, that was that was Ma Duncan and oh my god. Her fucked up sense of life. It's I just love that a... she was running a brothel while her son was in law school. Yeah. Out of their tiny apartment and he's just like, I don't know. I'm like yeah. bullshit you didn't know. Yeah. No, you you knew, buddy. You probably like ran the fucking financials or something. Yeah, he, that, he knew where his law school money was coming oh, from. 100%. That is like what a it's so complex it's so and compelling and twisted because you have this really unhealthy relationship between mother and son. You have these two random just creepy bastards who are like talk I won't even say talked into accept a proposal for killing another person oh, yeah. who they don't know like they're they're just like who oh we'll literally have it. nothing yeah yeah they're terrible at it by the way and then in the aftermath of all of this like there there there's abuse and harassment leading up to the murder and then even in the aftermath and all this stuff is coming out how Frank is still 
fighting for his mom. I'm like, dude, that's not devotion. Well, that's fucked. And even if he's not fighting for his mom, he's not like being forthright either. Like he's under oath and he's just like, I don't remember. Well, I no, don't know. No, but I don't care. Even after she sentenced, he's oh, trying yeah. to get her off. Like he's literally fighting the legal system for his mother. And I'm like, she murdered your wife, part your of, pregnant wife. There's a tiny part of me that's like, I'm kind of glad he didn't. she didn't get to see her before he died or before she died. I'm yeah, like, me too. Fuck that. I'm yeah. glad he wasn't there. Yeah, I'm glad like, I don't she care. didn't get that I, satisfaction. I don't care that he was fighting for her life because obviously it didn't matter. Yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of okay with this. Oh my God. I, and at, like at the, at the end of the day, just poor Olga. She, know, like, she didn't do anything talk wrong. Talk about someone who is 100% like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Fell in love with the wrong person. And that's like, I feel so bad for her because no one deserves that she super didn't deserve it no god i know that poor woman yeah kelly i really need to know what you're thankful for because (laughs) i am so angry right now this is why we didn't do a true crime podcast because i'm just like i'm deflated a lot i am deflated oh I know, but it was it was like one of those things that like when I found like the court transcripts, I'm like, I can't not. Oh, it's so dramatic. I'm like, I can't not include some of these things. Like you really like, oh, like if someone wrote this God. story, I'd be like, you're being way too extra. Right? Like so the, too much. Dramatic. Tone, tone it down. Yeah, this isn't real life. No, this really happened. People are this absolute batshit you know right okay i'm thankful because two of my class well yeah as of this morning two of my classes ended so now i only have two for now until next semester but yeah so like that it lightens my load a bit and that makes me happy that's awesome um i am thankful because jared and i just celebrated our six-year anniversary yeah we've been dating for yesterday yeah yeah so kelly uh was kind enough to accommodate my schedule because our anniversary was on a friday which is when we normally record so i took the day off and jared and i spent some time together and it was it was really nice it was actually it was very low-key um yeah but it was it was just nice to be able to spend the day together and you know just kind of like celebrate that and yeah I'm ex- yeah, it was. It's awesome. I'm glad. I kind of can't believe I've been Did with the same like person the day for six years. And- yeah, so we we got coffee. Uh, we tried to go to Oxbow, but there's construction, so like we hit this detour. And what would normally get lost? It wasn't that we got lost. It's just the detour kept going and going and going and going. And we'd been driving around for like 45 minutes. And I like even pulled up my maps. I'm like, well, it says we're 10 minutes away. And it was still nice because we're driving on like these backcountry roads, looking at the leaves. Gorgeous fall day. Absolutely stunning. We're drinking our coffee, just enjoying the ride, you know, these winding roads. And then he's kind of like. Do you, do you care if we just go home? I was like, no, I'm totally fine with going home. Honestly, I'm a little sick of being in the car, and <laughs> right. So maybe we'll we'll do something again later. But yeah, we we got our coffee, we drove around, we cuddled, we went out to dinner. It was really nice. Where did you go to dinner? Uh, Fat Willie's. <laughs> I hate the name. Did you I, just like walk there? Because like that's fairly close to your house, isn't it? No, no. This is on the south side. It's by hmm. uh, uh, the Werenberg. There, there was one downtown too. Uh, there must not be. I am I thinking of the right place now? I don't know. Are you, are you talking about roosters? No, no. It's it, it's like a car themed place. Like they have 
vintage license plates and oil signs and mechanic signs all over the walls. I'm pretty sure it's called Fat Willies because I hate the name, but the food was really good. Oh, yeah. No, I think you're right. Yeah. And there's two of them because there's Fat Willies and there's Fat Willies too. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, Roosters is Roosters too. Which one is Warenberg? Maybe that's Where, what I'm trying Warenberg to think is about. the one by Lowe's. Yeah. Warenberg. Warenberg. Yeah. <laughs> People who know Warenberg know. Except it's not Warenberg anymore. Now it's Marcus. I Peters. don't care. They're forever Warenberg. Do they still do? Yeah, it is Fat Willies. That's okay. okay. But Roosters 2 is also right there. They, yeah, That's they why are. I was getting confused. You're correct. Yeah, it's funny because it's spelled T-O-O, not T-W-O. And I'm like, okay, that's a choice. But yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice. I don't think I've ever been to Fat Willies. And the nice thing is too, we moved upstairs finally after like two years. So we it got to spend so nice. We got to spend our anniversary in our like actual bedroom no, instead no of the tiny guest bedroom. That, Emily. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, uh, we were both really tired and uh-huh, I was like, You wanna uh-huh. watch a movie or something? He goes, No, I'm like, You wanna watch something that we've seen a billion times that we don't have to pay attention to? He's like, Yeah. So we like put on some stupid comedy and like fell asleep. It was awesome. No one believes you. That's your choice. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So That's happy great. anniversary, darling. I know, isn't it crazy when you're like with someone so long and like you don't really think about it, but then your anniversary comes up and you're like, holy shit, when yeah. did that happen? Yeah, it's funny because I'm like, I can't remember what we did last year. Oh, no, no, no. Last year we went to the aquarium at the Mall of America. That was really cool. And we went on a weekday and it wasn't MEA weekend. So there was no one there, which was perfect because with Jared's PTSD, going to a big mall is a pretty big no-go. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this roller coaster of a dumpster fire episode. (laughs) It was a good episode, but damn, I'm bummed. Damn. Oh, good wine, good stories, bad mothering. Terrible mothering. Terrible mothering. Do not be that mother. Terrible mothering and husbandry. <laughs> but not not animal husbandry. No. Legit <laughs> husbandry. Oh, my God. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Uh, please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHPAD. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com. And our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com, where we would love to hear from you also rate us five stars wherever you listen five stars it really helps us it costs you nothing do it right it's the best way to help podcasts or anyone else you don't actually want to give money to we're small business women come on if you do want to give us some money um we have multiple options actually so we have a new merch store that you can find on any of our sites on our off of our link tree or off of our website or it is a teespring account if you know no not anymore that's the Reverse. old one. <laughs> it is a Spreadshirt account. If you just search whining about herstory. Um, other, which I think we still have a promotion going. Yeah. Yeah. You can get 15% off for a limited time. Um, otherwise, we also have a Patreon where you can donate as little as $1. And we are actually going to be recording a Patreon bonus episode that only gets released to patrons right after this. More it spooky. is spooky and it is intense so get on that you can get access to it for as little as one dollar it's like a fire at a circus yes <laughs> there's a lot of circus fires going on ma's a, a total circus she's a dumpster fire she's a circus fire and this sale is a circus fire because it's intense, intense. 
As always, thank you so much for listening to another spooky episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day, you spooky bitches. Bye.